Zucker has been in Trump's pockets forever. And certainly during the yeah. 2016 election, it was clear that Zucker was operating yeah. on behalf of Donald Trump. And, you know, they've been friends for a long time. They run in the same circles. He helped his apprentice show become a success when he was the president yeah. of NBC. Jeff Zucker is no friend to democracy. And the, you know, he was meant to leave last year and just didn't. But he was mm-hmm. really had... There were plans for him to resign, to retire because of everything he'd done during the Trump years. All these right. terrible things that kept showing up about him introducing Kissinger to Jared Kushner at, at a Time yeah. Warner event. All these things were just like, what are you doing? That's crazy. That's not legal. Yeah. Um, it's legal, of course, but it's not, you know, it's not right. right. It's not ethical. And so you've got a guy who really pushed the presidency of Donald Trump when he was just unknown candidate. I mean, basically, mm-hmm. anytime Trump wanted to get on the air, he could get on because he got to call his friend Jeff Zucker. And then suddenly he wasn't CNN. He didn't have to do events, didn't have to do anything. And so you know, the fact that he's still there is kind of stunning to me. And the fact that people at CNN yeah. walk around like there's nothing wrong and we'll just continue to do our job is also frightening. You know, And I have lots of yeah. friends that work there. That is not a place that could be considered a bastion of, of journalism anymore because <laughs> no. of this one guy who's sitting there who's clearly pushing an agenda. And if what you're saying is true yeah. about Kamala and... Uh, and Chris Christie last week. I mean, Chris Christie is a disaster. Yeah. We all remember how terrible yeah. Chris Christie was as the governor of New Jersey. He cannot become close to the presidency. It would be absolutely horrific. But we, you know what? Yeah. I will say on the on the flip side of yeah. that, though, he's supposed to be on this like uh, rehabilitation tour for the yes. GOP. Yeah. If the GOP, which I honestly don't think this, but if they believe Chris Christie is their guy, fucking bring it because he doesn't have the charisma. As much as I don't like Donald Trump, Trump has charisma. Chris Christie does not have that charisma. I think they would be more likely to put up somebody like Ron DeSantis or Trump himself, which I don't think it's going to be Trump. It might be, but I don't think it will be. I think it'll be one of these, whether it's Yunkin or DeSantis. I think that they don't need Trump anymore. They've got their train to fascism and they can, we can take it from here type thing. And I don't know if it's just because Christie has his book out and he's on this big tour that he's getting all this attention, but I know he wants to kind of, reframe the Republican Party. And it's like, dude, if it's you, go for it because no one likes you. <laughs> well, he did the whole thing without even talking about conspiracy theories, without even mentioning Fox News. Yeah. He's, that's his entire right. expose of He conspiracy. doesn't watch it. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. He doesn't watch it. How full of shit is he? Yeah, doesn't watch Tucker die to get on Tucker. <laughs> now, um, I think it's going to be Hawley. I mean, Hawley could be another interesting person that they're running. Yes, it could be Hawley too. And that kind of stuff just scares me because he is just weird. And, yes. uh, you know, he, he mm-hmm. can't, I don't know, I just, it's hard to trust that guy. But, you know, Christie's, as someone who's saying on chat now on Twitter, that he's out to sell his books. Of course, he's out to sell his books, out to yes. make money. They're all out to make money. But while they're doing it, mm-hmm. they're destroying democracy. I mean, that thing with Kevin McCarthy last night, yeah. I mean, what is wrong with you, dude? Oh You're going to oh speak for eight hours to deprive people of childcare? You're going to speak for eight hours to deprive people of broadband? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, how do you get to the point where you don't feel like you can give kids childcare? And you'd rather just stand in there and talk for eight hours to stop childcare from happening. It's, it's not, he's not computing the impact of all of this. And really, it was just grandstanding because of what happened the day before. Yeah. And I think it's also, I mean, Mark Meadows basically said, oh, we want to make Trump the Speaker of the House. And won't that make Nancy Pelosi crazy? 
And so I think that McCarthy realizes that he may not be the Speaker of the House. And so he's doing everything in his power to kiss up to Trump and those people. And I think that was also part of the reason he did what he did to say, look at me, look at me. I'm part of you. I'm you oh, guys. Yeah. You know? oh, that's, I think it's a very valid point. I think he was trying to make himself very, very useful to them. He was also trying to cover up for exactly. the mess the day before and hope would forget the fact that he allowed Gosar to basically get away with it. He didn't, he didn't allow Gosar to get away with it, but he supported Gosar right. in the middle of that censure hearing. I mean, that's, which was a remarkable thing. I got to say, I was blown away by the, did you watch the whole thing? Did you have a chance to see it? The, uh, the whole censure. Oh, it was just, I, lo- I just thought, well, first it was Nancy Pelosi, right? Who, and she was backed by three, by three women behind her. Like there was no men behind her, three women behind her. And right. she went at it in a way that you would not really have expected it to be a gender conversation. She put it in that context. Which sort yeah. of, sort of, you know, included everybody in the GOP because it sort of reframed right. them as being culpable as well. And then mm-hmm. she did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And then, of course, Kevin McCarthy stands up and talks about everything else but Gozar. He talks about inflation <laughs> and meat prices, you know, you name it. He just talks forever. <laughs> and then AOC stands up and knocks it out of the ballpark. She's like, yes. what is wrong with you, dude? Always. What is wrong yeah. with you that you can't condemn violence against your own colleagues? He had no response to that. But, you know, still, he, he still supports Gosar. He still would invite him back as a committee chair. Does. They've mm-hmm. made a pact in there. I'm sure they've made a pact that is... Oh, I'm sure. That, yeah. you know, everything's okay in the club. Everybody mm-hmm. can do whatever they want in the club. Do as much criming as you want. Steal as much money as you want. Mm-hmm. Be as corrupt as you want. Do whatever it is you need. We'll all just back each other and we'll stop anything from happening. Yes. Because that's the I path. mean, in fact, Matt Gates said if Kyle walked free, he could work for him as an intern or not an intern, but he had a job. Yeah, Matt yeah. Gates. I mean, that's so, ridiculous. The guy killed two people and he's offered a job by Matt Gates. Right. It's just, who's also, you know, questionable on many levels because of his oh, criminal investigation there is so much on this chat i can't actually see them anymore because they're running off the screen but people are saying uh, maybe they'll pick liz cheney maybe they will pick liz cheney terrifying if they do really oh, that would be uh, interesting though <laughs> it, it would, I, look, I think she's been amazing as far as i can have a crush on a republican <laughs> this would be a crush that i have on Republicans <laughs> because you know it's amazing well, I mean, that, yeah i don't believe yeah it's I was amazing just that, i don't agree with anything which yeah. she does except for this yes her policies otherwise you have to i mean she's lovely on this stuff yeah, and horrible. she's been very supportive of, but every single other policy that she supports is horrific yeah. so before right. we all you know say isn't she wonderful about absolutely everything we should uh, consider the fact that maybe liz cheney <laughs> is not sound on her policies so right. we're going to do a poll it's a very interesting question i'm asking people oh, tonight yeah, okay. is kyle rittenhouse guilty yes, or not guilty from your perspective now we won't even be able to tell if other people are voting in this because it'll stay at 100 percent. because i'm sure no one's going to say not guilty i might even try <laughs> <Right>. for, <laughs> i might push not, push not guilty to see if that changes uh so vote away everybody you've got until the end of this hour and then we'll figure out if narratives audience agrees with the jury that uh, found kyle rittenhouse not guilty today you know kimberly i don't know very much about you and I should know a lot about you, but I don't know very much about you. So why don't you tell me a little bit something about you? Like it was like, a, you know, we, we met sort of in a, in a blind date last time. So now I want to hear more about you. <laughs> okay. Well, um, just real quick. I used to be an actress. Mm-hmm. I was on Days of Our Lives for seven years. Now oh I had a gosh. small role. I had a role of a police officer. First I was a model. Then I was a model. 
then I was a reporter and then I was a police officer and the police officer stuck. And so I did that. I didn't work all the time, but I had, it sounds like you had a lot of roles though. Uh, well, on that show, I, yeah. you know, cause that it's funny cause consistency on soaps just isn't there. So wait, they would use but, um, the same person would, would not be the same character. It would be the same actress playing. No, I, right. It was the same okay. actress. I was the same. So it was like, I think I got hired in December. Yeah. I think it was 95 when I first was on the next time I was hired was sometime that following spring. So I was a model first, then I was a model again. And then I think like maybe seven or eight months later, I was hired as a reporter and then they hired me at some point later as a police officer, which then I got hired more often because I was part of the police force, but I didn't work all the time. But I was an actor and I did a little bit here and a little bit there. And then I basically decided I didn't want to do that anymore. I, I studied and I acted for about 10 years. Then I went into outside sales and I did that for about 10 years. I sold industrial chemicals. I sold like giftware, industrial oh, yeah? chemicals. But um, I want to go back to the uh, Days of Our Lives, you said. Was that the show? Yes. yes I love that yes. show. I miss those kinds of soaps. I really do. They were great. <laughs> you know, they just said something about, about that whole era of television. It was really difficult to get on those shows. That was not an easy job to get, as far as I know, because those no, were the kind of jobs know, that would be consistent. Yeah. The way it happened was I was in an acting studio and basically I had two and a half year course. I graduated and then we continued on to what was called the professional level. We would invite casting directors and then they would give us scenes and we would basically just do auditions for those casting directors. So my, my acting coach knew Fran Bascom, who was the Days of Our Lives casting director. And it was funny because my mother was also an actress and we were both in that professional level class oh, cool. so we kept on them we were fans of days of our lives we watched it my mother had actually been an extra on the show and so we pushed him and we pushed him and finally he invited fran and then ron who was her assistant and when they came they hired everybody on the show but my mother got the biggest part she played a maid to Stefano demira okay. so she played eliana the maid to stephanie and then i was a cop and I think, I mean, she got enough work that she could get in insurance through the Screen Actors Guild, which is a big deal. I didn't mm. get as much work as her. But anyway, so yeah, that's basically, we, we auditioned for them. It was funny, when I went on my audition, I was given sides that, and it was a, a storyline from years ago, but I was familiar with it because I had been watching the show since I was nine. So I understood the nuances of that scene and I was immediately hired. And I was really surprised that they hired me as a model, but they did. And because I didn't have, I wasn't like the skinny little soap opera type. I mean, I mean, I'm six foot tall. I have big bones. I'm not the typical type. I'm not. So I was actually surprised. But I mean, um, I can see it. I'm going to just say I can see it. But okay, that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I know that I could play like the beautiful woman roles when I was yeah. younger. But again, Hollywood never saw me as a model. So it was funny right. to me that a soap opera did. And then after I was an outside sales rep, and I mentioned industrial chemicals because it was a fun and interesting and weird job. I worked with primarily like blue collar men mm -hmm. and it was in Los Angeles and I had a lot of fun and it was great. But eventually I got an idea to write a book about first time sex nice. and it took me a while to put it together. It's called The Virgin Diaries. Eventually my mother and I worked on it together. We put it out in 2010 and then 2010 started my kind of like online experience moving into politics. I went into politics in 2012 because Rush Limbaugh attacked Sandra Fluke for being a slut three days on a show, calling her a slut, demanding to see her sex video because she testified in front of Congress that I think it was like private and religious schools should have birth control on their insurance plans. And so Rush Limbaugh went crazy on her and I wrote an open letter to Rush Limbaugh from a liberal slut and 
the guy from being liberal, the Facebook page saw it and put my blog up there, which landed me. I was a blogger, political blogger, I was a feminist and everything, everything, everything led to right now where I am. So that's you took on Rush Limbaugh. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. always amazed at how the slut shaming, but I'll say anything shaming that the, that the Republican Party did for so many years. That's yeah. what they did. They were like, we were so religious yeah, and we're so much time. better than you. And now right. you look at them and you're like, you're the worst people in the entire world. You're doing like the most criminal, corrupt things you can imagine. It's just, you know, the hypocrisy never ceases to amaze you. Um, well, that's really interesting. I'm right. glad you shared that with us. Thank you very much for letting us into the grand history. Um, and, and you've got three books, right? There's a book about the sex, but there's also two other books. Four. Four books. I think I did four. I, yeah, I have The Virgin <laughs> Diaries. And then my mom and I worked on that together. And then we worked on, it's called Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak. So that's stories from men about when they are, when they've lost love. And my friend said, that would be a great book because people think men have it easier and they really don't. And so I thought that wasn't fascinating thing. So we just collected stories from men. On That's really good. What it felt yeah. like to have a broken heart. Because men and don't have feelings, you one, know. That's what they say. Right. Well, men aren't allowed to have feelings. It's true. And like women are allowed to have the feelings, but men, when they go through a heartbreak, they often feel like they have to keep it inside and they don't have anybody mm. to talk to. And it was fascinating reading the different stories. So we did that one. And then I wrote American Woman, the pole dance, uh, was American Woman, the pole dance, women in voting. It's a little bit about me, a little bit about the history of women's rights. And also I wrote it for my younger self who was not politically engaged because mm. I thought politics weren't interesting to me because I didn't understand how much they affected everything in my life. So I wanted to write a book for me, really, mm. when I was younger. And then the last book that I wrote was Peyton's Choice, which is about a teenager, uh, 17-year-old, who chooses to have an abortion. I think it's so, uh, you know, what you're saying there about people not realizing how important politics is to them is so crucial. Because, you know, every time you go to an election, mm-hmm. every time you cast a vote, it actually means so much. It's so, democracy is so powerful and it has such consequences that, you know, not going, not showing up to vote is almost inexcusable. But at times like this, it's so important that people organize and vote and and that they do understand and realize how important democracy is to their world. You know, and we are going to talk about Biff and the other thing, BBB, when we come (laughs) back after this break, because we don't want to talk about how important it is that you elect the right kind of people, because others, you don't get all these nice things like broadband and childcare and all those other things. So that is coming up next. Plus, we'll give you the result of our poll here. Is Kyle Rittenhouse really guilty, according to the narrative audience? That is coming up next. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Thank you for supporting Narrative and for supporting our sponsors. I want you to meet the founder of Moink, an eighth-generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank. Time for breakfast. My name is Lucinda Cramsey. I was born on a farm and raised on a farm, and I'm an eighth-generation farmer. I wanted to give farmers the opportunity to be financially independent outside of big agriculture. You can see why I selected Moink as a sponsor for Narrative. It's good for you and it's good for local farmers. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door, helping family farms become financially independent outside of big agriculture. Their animals are raised outdoors, their fish swim wild in the ocean, and Moink meat is free of antibiotics, hormones, sugar, and all the other junk you find prepackaged in the meat aisle. 
Sign up at moinkbox.com. That's moinkbox.com slash narrative to get a year of bacon for free and then pick what meats you want delivered with your first box. Change what you get each month or cancel any time. And you don't have to take my word for it. Narrative viewers get so excited about their Moinkbox arriving each month, they tweet at me telling me it's Moinkbox Day at their house. And keep doing that. I really enjoy those. Moink meat is so delicious. Narrative discerning viewers love it. And I know you will too. Get Moinkbox right now. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash narrative. That's N-A-R-A-T-I-V, the way we spell narrative, right now. And listeners and viewers to this show get free bacon for a year. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste for a limited time spelled moinkbox m-o-i-n-k box.com slash narrative that's moinkbox.com slash narrative moinkbox there you go such a nice <laughs> she actually i really like her the whole farm thing that she's got is yeah. really genuine and, and she's done something really amazing i mean she's taking on big agriculture so i'm uh, happy wow. that she's a sponsor on that the show cool. uh, yeah it's a really tough world listening to her talk about how farmers have such a hard time like making mm-hmm. money these days you know they're feeding yeah all of us, but they can't really feed themselves. Right. They have all these competition from big agriculture, which is starving them out of business. But anyhow, that's another day. What should we talk about next? Uh, the Build Back Better bill, mm-hmm. the BBBB. <laughs> I mean, what is wrong with Joe? I, look, I love Joe Biden. This is not a criticism of Joe Biden. And it's a great plan. It's an amazing plan. I'm glad, <laughs> the, I'm glad the House did it today. I think it was remarkable that Nancy Pelosi was able to... I don't know how she does it. I don't know how she whips those She's votes, but amazing. it's kind of amazing. It's out of the blue. Like She's amazing, just yeah. And she got it apparently precisely correct that she got the exact number, mm-hmm. uh, which is like, wow. That's a lot yeah. of people's intentions that you're tracking all the time, you know, and, and yeah. getting right all the time. So good for her for doing that. And the plan itself is amazing. People get lots of good stuff mm-hmm. out of it. You know, there's a lot that's in there that's going to really help everyone's lives. I hope. Yeah. I hope. They keep saying this yeah, thing. Yeah, I you think know? so. Uh, the bridges are going to take a little longer to make happen, but I think the right. childcare credit is going to mm-hmm. be a big thing. I mean, that's yeah. that impacts everybody. It takes kids out of poverty. It lifts families mm-hmm. out of poverty. It's so important. And some of the other stuff that they're doing is also really powerful. I'm concerned that we're in this sort of like downward spiral on these guys that there's sort of, there's a thinking that they're going to lose next year. You know, the Republicans are going to take over and because they've just jerry-rigged the entire thing or gerrymandered the entire election and that they'll win. And that's possibly true. But it doesn't have to be that way. These are elections and these are a democratic system and it's up to the voters of this country to be enthusiastic about who they want to be enthusiastic about and also to figure out which side are the good guys and which side are the bad guys. And there'll be ample reason to figure out who the bad guys are during all those January Mm -hmm. 6th commission hearings, which are going to take place in prime time throughout next year. So for people who are feeling unhappy or disillusioned about the prospects of the Democratic Party, it is not over yet, I don't think. I think there's going to be a lot more still revealed in the next year. We could see significant charges, if not cases against uh, Trump or any of his other cabinet officials and in a circle. But also the, the stuff that's coming out about January the 6th, I mean, it was awful. Mm-hmm. It was everything we thought it was, was. It was them basically trying to seize ballot papers and sequester them and then bring in the military in various states and recall mm-hmm. the elections and redo the elections. It's everything that we all thought was going on was actually happening, you know, with the help of the Russians and the Chinese and God knows yeah. who else we might be conspiring with. So that's really what was going on. I think when that is laid bare in front of the American people, yeah. I don't know how easy it's going to be for them to vote for the Republican Party next. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I, I have a problem with these Democrats. I call them Eeyore Democrats. I don't mm. know if you're familiar with Eeyore, but <laughs> yes. Eeyore is a, uh, okay. So, I mean, it's a donkey, like, right? 
He's a donkey. Right. He's the donkey that is always complaining and never sees the positive. Right. And and it's like, look, yeah, I talked to Alison Gill of Muller, she wrote. Yeah. I asked her about this and she's like, you know, why not take on a winning attitude? Mm. And that's the way I look at it. And it's like people want maybe maybe want to argue, well, I don't want to get my hopes up. And it's like, well, look at it this way. No matter what happens, if we lose, you're going to be disappointed. Why take on that disappointment and manifest it? Because we do manifest everything that happens. We have a collective that manifests what is happening right now. And so if, you know, I mean, look, I'm not saying there's no reason to be concerned. There's absolutely reason to be concerned. I've said this so many times, I'm a broken record, but I had the opportunity to live in Moscow in 1981. My father worked for ABC News. I lived Mm. in Russia. It was communist Russia. I saw it. And so... I recognize that a nation can be too scared to do anything. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know America is not Russia and Americans are not Russians. But at the same time, I think there's this idea like, oh, that'll never happen to us. And you absolutely can happen to us. And it is happening to us. Not communism, but basically fascism. It can. It it can. Yeah, it absolutely can. And it's happening. I mean, it's Mm. not all the way here. We have a Democratic president. We have, you know, Democrats have the majority of power, even though it's a slim majority. But I think if we take on the idea like we're going to beat the these assholes instead of they're going to, they're, you know, the, the slumpy attitude of they always win and the Democrats mm. are so weak. And, you know, I've been going on about messaging and I'll just say this real quick that I understand that it's so much easier for Republicans to message because Republican voters always march in lockstep. So mm. many of them initially did not like Trump. And then when he became the nominee, okay, they got right behind him. Our side doesn't do that. We have a much bigger tent. We have libertarians. We have centrists. We have conservative Democrats. So everyone's going to argue and go, well, that's a dumb message. You know, it's like someone will come up with a message and then someone's going to say that's a dumb message. It's harder for us to get on the same page. But I think in this case, so many people have to realize, and this is just going to repeat it. If Republicans take power from us, whether it's legitimately or because they steal it, they're never going to give it back. It's never coming back. I saw some... It's never coming. I saw someone on Twitter say, oh, you know, Republicans screw things up and Democrats will fix it. And I'm like, not this time. Not no, this I don't time. think they have any intention of handing back power. I mean, they have already no. manipulated the system in every state that, you know, that is necessary yeah. for them to maintain control forever. You know, they don't have to be fully fascist. They're just going to be completely undemocratic. Right. They're going to take everyone's yes. right to vote away and then, you know, run the country to the ground. Because the problem is fascism is not just fascism. Fascism comes with a lot of corruption because there's no mm-hmm. checks and balances on government. There's no transparency on government. Yeah. People can do whatever they want because the next election, you're still going to be voting for me because I'm your only choice. You yeah. know, they get away with murder and crime. And mm-hmm. that is why we can't have fascism and why democracy actually works is because we get a check and balance yeah. every, every two years. Plus, we, we've only got the presidency. There's all these state houses. You know, if, if you're um, yeah. a Democrat or someone who wants to run in an election and wants a good fight, those are great fights to have. We should be turning those mm-hmm. state houses blue and we should be, uh, you know, making sure that some um, of those governors turn blue as well when they're up for re-election because yeah. we should have the winning message. We do have the winning message. There's yes. no doubt in my mind that we have that. I mean, clearly democracy, freedom, equality, all these things plus a booming economy as it's been every time Mm -hmm. a democratic president has been in power, Mm -hmm. plus general peace and happiness. You know, those things are good. That's a good thing to sell. You can easily (laughs) sell that. It's a lot harder to sell, you know, the Donald Trump era to people, but they shall try. You know, I don't know how we turn this around. I do think it's a huge fight, but 
Yeah. They, you know, we just don't have to be so down on Biden. I think they, this has been the most remarkable week, maybe even the most remarkable day for any president in living memory, I'd say. Yeah. It's been unbelievable that he's been able to get this much money dedicated to transforming everyday yeah. people's lives and to get to do so with just his party, amazing. And, mm-hmm. you know, what well, he hasn't done it yet, he's still got to go through the Senate, but it's still, you know, a remarkable, remarkable achievement that he's coalesced uh, so many different opinions yeah. in a party that's such a wide tent, as you point out, and has been, they've been able to bring people together on stuff that's really going to help you and your neighbors, you know, it's mm-hmm. really going to help mm-hmm. people get insulin. It's really going to help people go, right. go to work if they want to go to work because they get childcare, like these things that are just so vital and then lifting kids out of poverty. So they have food to eat and are happy and they can maybe learn more because they're, they've got food to eat. So these are incredible things that, that he's doing. They should only be applause for, um, for the president yeah. and Nancy Pelosi uh, today, although it's a, uh, they've been, I'm sure, and by now overtaken by the Kyle Rittenhouse story. So that little bloom yeah. that they had for about five minutes at exactly. one o'clock today is, right. is now officially over. All right. We're one minute away. Um, should we just, we should say goodbye because I've got nothing else to say. What do you have? Do you have anything else you'd like to talk about? Yeah. Well, what I'll just throw out there is if you follow me on Twitter, I'm author Kimberly and that's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. And my pinned tweet, I, I live in Maryland, and so I wanted to do something for the homeless shelter near me. So I, you know, I'm trying to collect a thousand dollars. So if you could go to my Twitter page and click on it, you can get five dollars or ten dollars. I don't see any of that money. It goes directly to the shelter, and it's a PayPal thing where it's once a month it gets distributed into their account. And one day I've raised about five hundred and some dollars. That was yesterday. So. that, yeah, and I mean, for you. whatever I get, I get, you know, I don't get it, but whatever is raised is raised. It goes, like I said, directly to the shelter. Nobody has to worry about me. You know, at first I thought I was going to go shopping with the money and bring it to the shelter, but I found out through GoFundMe, no, they directly deposited into the place where you choose. Well, that's really so good to know, hopefully actually. Hopefully everybody will do that. Yeah, and that's uh, what a nice thing to do, especially at this time of the year. There's so many people in need, yeah. and it's just a really important thing to share with everybody. So thank you, Kimberly Johnson, for being here tonight, and thanks for doing that. And people could find you at thank Author you. Kimberly, and they can catch your uh, Start Me Up podcast. Plus, yes. our audience believes that Carl Rosenhaus is 90%. Of our audience, believe they're guilty. I'm surprised some people didn't think he was. <laughs> well, you know, I, that's why I was interested in the thing. poll. I was interested in the, right. and uh, it's a lot of people, and that's they're entitled to those yeah. opinions. But uh, maybe isn't. Maybe he isn't guilty. Um, and that's certainly what the jury found today. Thank you for being here tonight. Right. Uh, really appreciate uh, Kimberly for being here, and thanks also to you for being a part of Narrative tonight. Uh, you can always support us at Patreon.com/slash/Narrative. I will uh, see you again on Tuesday. Yes. Uh, we have a great show coming up on Tuesday, so don't miss it. And uh, with yes. all that, I'll say good night and have a great weekend, everybody. Narrative is made possible by viewers like you. Join today and support truly independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. That's patreon.com forward slash narrative.